0: Nothing
1: <laughs> at the same time.
0: <laughs> so Raven, what have you been up to? I hear there's a lot of crazy shit in your world right now. Well,
1: I am um, living underneath a positive COVID tested person. People who aren't taking this seriously. Um, I would like to give you my address so I can knock out a few of your teeth.
0: Well, Right now, my partner is working in a skilled nursing facility. Five CNAs have left. All the other therapists have left because they have 51 cases of COVID. Half of those people will be gone in a week. And he's the only one willing to work directly with them. So now he is a very high paid CNA wiping butts and getting people comfortable and helping them survive. Has he been of offered the vaccine yet? Not yet, but he'll be one of the first people. That's good. Yeah. I really wish that I could get it, like, right fucking now. Gonna watch what the vaccine does to everybody else?
1: I've heard that the symptoms are pretty harsh, but they're symptoms of the virus. Yeah. Um, and so at this point, I'm just so afraid of getting it and giving it to someone. I don't care. Yeah. As long as I don't die and I don't end up um, maimed horribly. I don't care.
0: Yeah. Yeah, I get it. And well, I think once we have our elders and our frontline workers vaccinated, then it will really reduce what's happening. And then we can move on to the rest of the population. But yeah, it's, it's legit. And I know a lot of people that aren't taking it seriously. And I have been living my normal life. But I basically leave the house in a hazmat suit most times. But I've been around people who haven't taken it seriously. That does put me and others at risk. Yeah,
1: it's terrifying. It it really is. I've gotten two COVID tests. The first one was negative. I'm waiting for the results on the second one, hopefully negative. It's my birthday this weekend and my parents so desperately want me to come over to celebrate with them. I'm really uncomfortable by this. See me.
0: I don't know with your dad being so vulnerable. I just I don't know. I mean, maybe just seeing each other outside. It's a way. Isn't it supposed to warm up though? I know it is like, it feels like it's seven degrees here, but it shouldn't
1: warm up because it's December and it's supposed to be cold. But let's look at the weather. No,
0: it's going to warm up here though. I'm complaining about the cold, but that's because I'm not a a huge fan. I'm a a
1: hater of the cold. I'm a huge cold hater. Yeah, it's supposed to be like 50 degrees. You know what that means? I'm going to get a migraine for my birthday.
0: Don't say this. We're not this huge swings in weather makes me sick. Well, you're get buckle up cuz that's where we're headed all day, all night, global warming killing us all. I know. So, I think- speaking of global warming and killing us all, uh, we were talking and we kind of wanted to have our topics start somewhere even though they probably won't finish anywhere. We were talking <laughs> about uh food and and really um for me what we were talking about before, and you'll give us all the facts, because I'm sort of the abstract human. But you know, I get all these pop ups all the time. And it's like, hey, you know, hungry root and sunbasket and these places look awesome, like deliver organic to your door recipes, the ingredients are there. But my thing is, is having them having the ingredients sourced more locally and less food miles. But having that convenience would be awesome too. So finding someone more local who is like, hey, I can give you a recipe with all the ingredients. Do you have a CSA? Because a lot of CSAs are doing that now. We do. We have a really great CSA here. It's uh, Mother Earth, I think is the name. And we used to have it delivered. And I'm so glad you just said that because I need to start back up with them. We were traveling a lot and we stopped it and we never got back on track. I don't know if they'll have room for us now that COVID hit, though. Probably everybody's taken my spot on the entire planet. So CSAs are great
1: if you have them. Um, I really wanted to touch on food deserts today. And there's a lot of different definitions of food deserts. One more extreme definition, and this is absolutely true, is that there are certain areas where people just don't have access to fresh produce. At all. There are urban and rural uh, food deserts, because some areas, food deserts, they think of urban areas that are really poor, that don't really have a fresh grocer, or the grocer's too far away, and a lot of people don't drive, and the bus doesn't go to that area, or it's just inaccessible, or it's priced out. And um, that's also true. Uh, There's a lot of projects to start urban gardens, and that I've seen has been wildly successful. But there's also rural food deserts, and you would think that that is bizarre, right? You could grow vegetables if you're living in a rural area. But for a lot of people, their only grocery store is maybe a two-hour drive, and it's also a gas station. And they don't really have a whole lot of fresh produce majority of the farms that are around them are growing feed corn and and soy, and it's not human grade food. And there aren't a lot of producers of of greens. And so that's another definition of a food desert is that you just don't have access at all
0: to any fresh produce. Like a supply and demand thing, though, like if people don't know, they're in a food desert, they just know I eat canned corn and I eat whatever, there's not a huge demand for it, or it's just not available.
1: So that's, that's an interesting thing. Because in in certain areas, another kind of definition of food desert, areas that do have fresh produce sold to them, but it's sold from Mexico or California, and it's on the East Coast, and they're getting all their produce shipped in from really far away. And so a lot of those small towns don't have the resources, the money to really cause a demand enough for those faraway places to consider it even worth the gas to sell their products in a tiny gas station in like Minnesota somewhere or Nebraska. Nebraska. It's partially supply and demand and it's partially... Just the fact that it's not available. Um, There are a lot of places where if there's a supply chain issue, they become food deserts very quickly because they don't have any sort of backup or local farms producing real food, vegetables, even meat in certain areas is all shipped in.
0: You were saying if you're living in a rural area, why not start your own garden? But maybe you're working 16 hours a day in a factory or on a, on a farm that produces just like cow feed or pig feed. And you don't have the energy to then come home and tend to your own vegetables. But isn't there usually like a Walmart somewhere in these rural areas? Sometimes,
1: but there are actually rural areas that don't even have a Walmart. I have driven thousands and, and thousands of miles through this country and, and it's genuinely shocking Some of these areas, I'm very fortunate because I have a hybrid. And so I can make it a little further without worrying about gas than a lot of people do. But it is some of those places where you're like, okay, I have gas but I'm going to get gas anyway, because I don't know when the next time I'm going to see a gas station is.
0: Well, my sister and I did that too. And we were saying, because we would try to pack a lot of our own food to just stay healthy. And we were like, why aren't people opening up across the America like natural food? I mean, I see it in some gas stations where they offer like kind bars now, which is chock full of sugar but like they don't have like fresh fruits beyond like a banana and apple that's probably about to die and it's rotting in these areas so you really have to either eat shitty or plan days ahead
1: yeah and the thing is chances are the apple and the banana bananas don't grow in minnesota so they're shipping that banana in from somewhere they're probably shipping the apple in with it. You can get a fruit cup or or some canned fruit. But when it comes to leafy green vegetables, which is so important to your diet, nobody ever wants to fucking hear it. They're like, oh, fuck off with your leafy greens, your immune system, your colon health, everything. And a lot of these places do not have anything other than like iceberg lettuce. And that's not going to cut it.
0: I wonder if there's a correlation to colon issues, disease in these areas that don't have access to leafy greens, or any kind of like vegetable that creates life. Hey, social scientists, you want a research topic? (laughs) I got a research topic for you. I mean, we do. I mean, there probably is some, some research already out there. I mean, when I was saying the whole Walmart thing, Walmart does now offer more Organic options than it used to. But the, you know, we live on the East Coast, all of that's getting shipped in from far, far away. It's losing its nutrients. It's losing its, when you pick a beautiful, like, pluck a tangelo off a tree when you live on the West coast and you eat it within 30 seconds of plucking it from the tree. You feel that life go into your veins. It is in it's, it's amazing. The food is amazing. You wait another two weeks and you buy that. It tastes all right, but it does not have the nutritional value that it did when it first no, a lot of period. things
1: that are done to food that's grown specifically to ship to make it last longer make it less nutritious. A lot of people really like to buy vine ripened tomatoes. Tomatoes can be ripened with if I remember right, and i'm gonna I'm gonna double check myself on this, but they last longer.
0: But what about when you know you go to your garden and you you put it in your window and you'll let it just continue to ripen the. I, I don't know. I just like food to taste more juicy. And I, I live in a... I'm very lucky. I live in a place where there are a lot of farmer's markets. Um, and, and there are CSAs. And most of our restaurants are farm-to-table. But not that far outside of this little village here in Asheville, there are probably mountain folk who who would have to drive two hours to get anything if they don't grow it themselves.
1: And I do feel like a lot of people have the ability to grow their own food, but I think a lot of that knowledge is being lost. And, you know, we used to have like the victory gardens, the war gardens that people would be growing food because a lot of the supplies were going to the troops when they were fighting in World War I and World War II. And for a while there, people were growing and eating mostly their own food in that kind of ethic died out. And with it, a lot of people just don't know how to keep plants alive anymore.
0: I follow a lot of people on Instagram and I read a lot and I'm still not a great (laughs) gardener. I'm excited when I don't kill something. I'm like, whoa, I kept it alive. And a lot of great gardeners tell me it's don't be intimidated. It's trial and error. If something doesn't work in the sun, then you move it out of the sun. If something doesn't work with this, then you do a little research. You put magnolias around it so that pests stay away. You'll figure it out. It is a trial and error sometimes and learning curve. And your land is very specific to it's different. Like every, yes,
1: you have to learn your type. You have to learn what will grow in your soil and you might need to amend your soil. Um, So I actually just want to correct myself. It's not nitrogen. It is ethylene, acetylene, and calcium carbide that are used to artificially ripen fruit.
0: And it It is- It sounds like, yeah, gas because it's that ethyl, methyl.
1: Yeah. So basically they're put in containers and they pump in the gas and that ripens them faster. Interestingly though, certain fruits will help ripen other fruits- uh, if you put like a banana with an orange, they'll they'll interact with each other. Sometimes it'll slow the ripening down. it'll it'll speed the ripening up. Bananas actually kill each other once they're plucked, they start to ripen each other faster. So if you separate all of them, they'll ripen more slowly. Things that yeah. like people used to know, they'd know you plant beans and corn and squash together. And now I think there is a bit of a renaissance of that. People are are looking into permaculture more. But at the same time, the vast majority of our food is grown in a really unsustainable monoculture type situation. And I think there's only five pork producers in America. And uh, a lot of people don't realize that when they go to the grocery store, they're not getting like a, a locally butchered hog. They're getting this animal that was treated really inhumanely somewhere far, far away and, and slaughtered out a big, massive plant. And that was actually a problem because there's so few pork producers. I don't know if you remember, in the beginning of this pandemic, there were a lot of uh, meat shortages because of the supply chain. A lot of people at these plants were getting COVID and they had to curtail production. And because there's only like five main pork producers, that caused a huge supply chain issue.
0: Well, also, when we have these huge storms, like hurricanes that come in, and in North Carolina, there is a huge, uh, one of the big, bigger hog plants, I guess you could call them, factories, and those hogs drowned. Um, It is disgusting if you go anywhere within that region. And then the people, since they're oftentimes placed in very low income housing areas, they are sprayed with hog feces, like anyone within a certain range of a hog factory. There's whole documentaries on this where you'll see it's like a socioeconomic issue, too, because they're going into these areas where they can buy massive tracts of land inexpensively. And then anyone else around is getting cancer. They wake up to having like feces in their yard. It's it's disgusting. It is disgusting. And then you know,
1: because poor people can't afford lawyers. And they basically exactly. look at the costs of a lawsuit versus how much money they're saving by dumping. And they say, you know, we can afford to pay out x amount of money to make right. these people go away. And a lot of the problems that we have in our our food chain could really be solved by moving towards local farms. I always say this local is more important than organic. It's so, so, so much more important than organic. A lot of people really um, bought into organic foods and that's great because they use less pesticides, but a lot of organic practices aren't that much different than conventional farming practices. And just because it has the word organic on it doesn't mean that it's better than something right. you can buy locally that's not labeled organic. Just because it's not labeled organic doesn't mean that they used a shit ton of pesticides. And if you don't know, if you're going to a local farm, chances are they'll tell you exactly what they do. They'll let you come see
0: their farm. It's nice. Here, we actually did a farm tour at Hickory Nut Farms, and you can play with the pigs and the cows and, you know, chickens, and they explain their entire process. um, And they have a high ethical standard and all the local grocery stores, Um, restaurants serve Hickory Nut Gap Farm. I'm getting it right. And then there's uh, other farms here. Uh, Franny Farms is a female run business. And she is actually hemp farmer and hopefully one day cannabis if it's ever legalized here in North Carolina. And, And really, I don't understand how it's not legalized yet because all these tobacco farms you would think would make an easy transition since they've lost so much money from tobacco to cannabis. I, I just don't understand that, but that's completely another topic. But yeah, I mean, I I've also thought about just starting in my front yard food gardens. A lot of my neighbors have already started doing it. If everybody just put like one single plant in their front yard. And we all shared like this one lady goes nuts with squash and gives them away. And another lady does cucumbers and another lady does tomatoes. And I was like, you know, if we all did that, we would all have plenty of food. It's true. Um,
1: And there are some community gardens, but unfortunately a majority of the community garden plots I see are just people who are doing their own thing by themselves next to other people who are doing their own thing by themselves. But having like a true community garden where everybody t- pitches in and everybody shares the harvest.
0: It does, awesome. Yeah. But it goes back to like I don't even think we understand how to be communal even in that setting any I mean some folks are are doing that and people are desperately trying to get back to that but that is like the way we work that's just how things, you know, uh, Margaret comes to work and she's like, Oh, I have all these extra cucumbers. Who wants them? You know, I mean, that still sometimes that happens.
1: totally my work.
0: <laughs> <laughs> they would come in. I loved it. One
1: of the drivers used to go to Walla Walla which is famous for its onions. And he would come back with these like 20 pound bags of onions. And he'd be like, everybody get some onions. And we'd be like, oh yes, it's onion time. <laughs> and it wasn't just onions, you know, it would be like wherever they were going locally, they'd like grab something and they'd
0: bring it back. And I'd be like, oh, what do we got today? That's so nice though. And it, it really bonds people. Food in general bonds people. It is historically so. known for like, celebration and gathering and family and,
1: and that's really the majority of holidays are, are surrounded about food like all the fall holidays are about the harvest and the spring holidays are about planting
0: and regrowth yeah it is based we've lost what that actually means it was like all of the hard work we did all year long we are now harvesting and eating together in our community and celebrating that we were able to not starve to death this year and if you really look into,
1: like, the the
0: winter holidays,
1: Yule, and and Saturnalia, and you look into that, it's really more like, hey, we're done harvesting, we're done working, let's get drunk. Let's have a good time. Let's get drunk, let's dress up like demons and chase kids around and make them cry, because
0: it's hilarious, and we're drunk, so fun. <laughs> I think I would have... Uh fared well back in those days. Because I've always had a philosophy, work hard, play hard. You know, I'm all about working hard, especially if it's something that I believe in and want to do, which hasn't been always the case in my life because some of that survival but then be with friends be with family enjoy uh, life I actually started my day to day with uh, Jay Shetty he's he's sort of like he was a monk and now he's an inspirational speaker and he was talking about like the five things that dead people regret and he's like walk through a cemetery you'll get your best ideas because that's where a lot of dreams died that's where a lot of people's um, not to take a, like like dark turn or whatever, but like, are you here just for money? Not one person who's dying is talking about the money they could have made. They're talking about the people they should have seen the forgiveness they should have had the experiences they should have taken and the uh, just jumping off the ledge and doing the things in life that you dream of doing. And
1: unfortunately for a lot of people, if they don't have the resources to do that and they're stuck in survival mode, they just, yeah, they're not going to be able to because they have.
0: Yeah, I agree. But some of that too is like self-imposed because we have to have a house. We have to have a car and we, that, that meets the standards of society. I think your generation is getting it right. And like, you know what, let's just live in a tiny house. Let's not have a car and let's live more simply so we can travel and do the things we want to do in life. Also, we can't afford, it. Can't afford it. it. So fuck it. That's a lot. Uh, and it's
1: funny because you'll see all of these articles less so now, because I feel like the media has had plenty of more to talk about than millennials in the past few years. But for a while there, it was the trend of like millennials are killing the diamond industry. And it's like, well, they're blood diamonds and we're not really interested in contributing to the suffering of others. And also we're fucking poor.
0: Well, they also who decided like, this is the thing about uh, our culture. We take something and we decide it's going to have value, and then we make it impossible to attain. We put a price tag on it. That could have been petrified shit. Yeah. I mean, it, but you know, like, is, diamonds
1: actually do have a youths because they're an extremely hard rock and they can be used to cut things and I believe they're used in certain computer processors so it's like they have value outside of like ooh shiny and I feel like we really need to move away from like the ooh it's shiny it's yeah. my crow brain. I want shiny. Like, come on. Now. <laughs> I mean, it cuts. I mean, don't anything. get me wrong. If I see a good rock, I'm going to pick it up. But like, we don't need to go out of our way. The rocks will come to
0: us. It's true. But now even with the hooky kooky stuff that I love, you know, people are mining amethyst to the point of devastation. Uh, other because it's it's cool it's trendy everybody wants rocks because they're spiritual you know it's a tool if you put you know if you take this glass of water right here and you say if i drink it it's infused with life force it's going to make me whatever then your belief is that it will do that and therefore it will and that's a lot of what these spiritual tools are it's like it's a belief behind something but now you're mining it to devastation in beautiful uh, South American and Central American countries. And they're not benefiting from these millions of dollars of trade. And it's hard
1: to believe that when you harvest something unethically, that kind of energy stays with So you might be getting it so that you can, like clear the dark energy around yourself, but you are actually participating in some darkness, you're putting some darkness into the world, and you're taking it back. And I don't think you can just get rid of that.
0: No, I don't think so either. And I think that's why it's important to kind of understand where anything comes from your food. And I'm just as guilty as everybody else. I get hungry. I am like, broke at times. And I will, you can't, punish yourself to death
1: for what corporations do because they have the money and they have the power to change and there's only so much you can do from a consumer point of view you can't change the world i mean you do your best you do what you can what you can live with and a lot of people are just too fucking poor and too fucking busy to go and 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 make a a, a super healthy meal Because they work three jobs, because they're exhausted, because they're in a food desert. And, and sometimes you just want to go through a drive-thru and get something, feed your kids, feed yourself, because you have to get dressed and go to your next job. I mean, there's a lot of factors limiting people's abilities to live ethical lives.
0: I know that I can make more changes and I have been doing that in some ways. We have this big chalkboard wall that we created in our kitchen and we all write things on there from like workout three times a week, make food with love. And that's something my daughter came up with but i think it's a good idea because to me that means make food mindfully and so instead of just being like i got to do this to feed my family and like shove it down their throats to actually like take time make it more of a zen experience for yourself and infuse the meal with your care and your love and oh, you can it, taste the love you can taste it it's different because you take the time you might add that extra seasoning you might add a little bit more fresh something from the garden and then when you sit, sit mindfully, don't eat and be on your phone, don't eat and watch a movie, actually sit and enjoy the meal, you know, even if it's alone, like I now will make myself a nice meal and sit by myself mindfully, because I'm like, why would I just shove something down my throat to get to the next thing I have to do? Take no, the time, to enjoy
1: my food. I mean, yeah, this is gonna sound sad. But enjoying food is one of my favorite things in life. It's one of the things I live for. And it's also one of the reasons I'm so fucking scared to get COVID because I won't be able to smell or taste. And I have so little pleasures left in life that if I lose the pleasure of food, I'm like, I'm done. I'm yeah. Like, I've <laughs> to live for. Okay. So, maybe not <laughs> nothing. I, I have people who I'm like, like, but you know what I mean? Come like, on. That, there's no, like most of the time, this is horrible. My reason to get out of bed is like, what am I going to eat today? I don't have anything else to look forward to.
0: I mean, I wish that I had a better relationship with food. Sometimes it's it's just that I'm like bored and I'm avoiding work. So I get up to go see what kind of snack I can make myself because it's a way to get away from work because I work so many hours. I don't know. I a mean, lot of people I,
1: are bored because they're locked at home and they're doing what they're supposed to do. So they're not going out. And what are you going to do when you're at home alone with the fridge?
0: Bake a pie. I mean, I've literally been baking like crazy, like baking breads. I bought a bread maker from the Salvation Army. I love, I love finding things that I want that are like brand new and I paid five bucks for them. I love that. It's so, and getting back to that too is like, don't buy stuff brand new that comes so packaged that is probably going to fall apart or that someone probably gave away. There's so much waste out here and we're just going to be living in a dumpster pile. It's true.
1: Like, and another thing that I just want to touch on is that um, people don't realize how poor they really are because they can't afford. People, a lot of people will say, "Well, I can't afford to buy you know good, wholesome, fresh food." If you can't afford good food, you're poor. If you can't afford to buy clothing that doesn't come from a sweatshop, you're poor. If you have to rely on slave labor to get your basic essential needs you're poor. And I think a lot of people don't realize that because they're so used to going to a store where they don't see any of the end products. They don't see how the workers are treated because they're in a third world country far, far away. They don't see anything except for like the smiling faces on the packaging or like the happy cows on, on the label. They don't realize that they're participating in a system that generates suffering and they don't realize that they're doing that because they can that's what they can afford because they're poor.
0: But even people who have money that could p- go to a CSA or a co-op and they choose to go to a Walmart or uh, Ingalls or whatever Publix, it, they they don't know possibly that they're contributing to atrocities.
1: Well, the thing is, a lot of people don't want to know. Yeah. They, they know, but they don't want to know. know about it. Don't tell yeah. me where my meat comes from. I don't want to I don't want to think about that. And that's one of the things where I can't always make the best choices, but I limit my meat and dairy consumption basically to that of a handful of farms where I know where things are coming from. I don't eat beef A lot of shit that comes with the beef industry. Cattle are not native to North America. And as a result, even the free range cattle cause a lot of destruction to the environment if they're not properly managed. A lot of the free range beef is a cause for a lot of predators and also other ungulate species to be killed in in favor of cattle being able to graze on public land, which is an issue for a lot of people for a lot of different reasons. So I don't eat beef for so many reasons. I can't... At this point, I haven't eaten it in so long that it would make me sick if I would eat it. I think it's almost been 10 years since I've eaten beef. Uh, there's just so much ethical gray area with it that I just stay away from it. And I don't really eat any poultry because most poultry is is housed in, in tightly packed warehouses where they're walking around in their own feces. And I just... There's so much ugh, with that. So I eat a lot of bison because bison are an animal that's native to North America. They belong here and they'd be on the land if we weren't here and they are extremely hardy, can fight off their own predators. They can't really be contained unless they're happy. I have, I sold this. I didn't steal. I, it was a steal. I got this dollar <laughs> 50 at uh, this reused bookstore and it's the bison breeder's handbook and it was like fencing requirements high tensile six foot fence is the best fence you're gonna get but know that they can get through it if they want to your best fence is to keep your bison happy
0: it's you true we went when i was a kid to a bison farm and i was so i was like terrified and They're They're (laughs) huge. And they said they would explain to you, the farmer, they would say, well, if they want to get out, they can. Yes. There's nothing that will stop a bison. Nothing. They can get through concrete. They can get through a car, a tractor. You are not going to bully A bison no you you are the bison's bitch basically
1: and so i know that they're
0: handled humanely because they leave otherwise well yeah and you can't can't give them antibiotics because they don't need them well you can't it's not it's a
1: federal law that you're not allowed to give them to them uh growth hormones you can give them antibiotics but not growth hormones
0: oh okay i thought that they were just so accustomed to like so many generations of being on this land although Many were slaughtered alongside the Native Americans. They
1: were, and actually there are some that have cattle DNA in them now that's sad it is so um genetically pure bison they have like a dna test for them are making a resurgence and so uh, a lot of breeders are now testing their herd
0: and slowly eliminating the ones with cattle dna so it's it's not
1: all dark dirges
0: no and there's a whole like antique seed community i get a magazine that actually uh makes me super excited about heirloom seeds and uh you know it's just there is a whole resurgence of people trying to get to the purest, you know, there's purists, even yeah. uh, with like marijuana seeds. Like, I have a friend who has a farm and he goes all over the world to basically find like the most pure seeds. There's like seed communities. It's super cool. It's really cool.
1: And a lot of people are starting to research into the older historic varieties of plants. And there is a resurgence, a little bit, not enough, in my opinion, Um, the livestock conservancy in endangered livestock breeds. A lot of people don't realize, like, most of their dairy comes from Holstein cows. And Holstein cows are so very inbred that at this point, if anything were to happen to their gene pool, most of our dairy cows would be obsolete. So. There are Jersey cows. They're also a less popular, but certainly popular uh, breed of cow. But there are a lot of other breeds that are on the verge of extinction. And I'm really big into this because I have horses that are an endangered breed on the verge of extinction. So I'm super into endangered poultry, endangered
0: livestock, endangered everything. Well, it's fascinating because I remember the first time I learned you get four options for apples. Did you know there used to be like 150 kinds of apples? And now we're down to 20.
1: So this is really exciting that you brought up apples because there's a program in Oregon where they are going into these abandoned apple orchards that were like abandoned for like a hundred years and they're taking cuttings from these apple orchards and they're progenerating these previously like unheard of species of apples There's like a renaissance in Oregon and apples right now. And you can see it in the farmer's market. I've tasted these different apples that like I've never tasted an apple so good before in my life. It was amazing. I was like, I hated apples for most of my life because you're right. There's four. There's like your Granny Smith, your Honeycrisp, your Red Delicious. Yeah. And that's that's what you have at the grocery store. But here at the farmer's market, they had like 12 different kinds of apples that I've never heard of before. And I'm tasting all these apples and I'm like, holy shit, these are amazing. And with the resurgence in Oregon, at least in the Pacific Northwest in general, in traditional cider production. They're mm. different types of apples that are not just good for eating, but are good for cider making good for like pie making. I mean, there's so many different apples and they're all being cultivated in this exciting, exciting way. I mean, it, there are these different programs. They'll they'll send you an email out and they're like, we found a new type of apple. I'm Like, oh, my God, I can't wait to taste it. <laughs>
0: I really this excites me because I would love I kind of like a fantasy of having a huge tract of land where I could like kind of bring back the dinosaurs in a way because some of these plants were around, you know, for a very long time and they've been they've been decimated. And And another thing that I was thinking of during this conversation is like all of the Amazon that was burned down in the last two years, mostly for cattle. I mean, people can say what they will, but this was a planned fire. This was done by the governments there. Uh, People need to stop being in denial that governments are not here to protect anybody. They're just here to protect special interests and large corporations. And part of that is decimating the biodiversity of the planet, which is going to bring about viruses, which we've seen within months of that happening. And then you're going to bring in more cattle and it'll be interesting in the next few years to see how many new diseases take place. Um,
1: Because when you have a domestic animal and a wild animal intermingling, the wild animal might have a disease that it introduces to the domestic animal
0: population that then makes its way to humans. Yeah, and it's through your food. And if you're not paying attention to where your food's coming from and you're buying it from large places like Walmart. I mean, mad cow disease. Nobody talks about it. That shit's real. Uh, there's going to be other forms of this that take place. And I remember I was like 19 years old and reading the biodiversity of life. And basically he said this was going to happen if we got rid of our diversity. We're going to see d- disease. We're going to see climate change. We're going to see all of these things take place. And I've, I, you know, I'm so lucky. I've gotten to see that in my own lifetime. me. Not
1: just plants, but animal extinctions have hit an unprecedented rate that we've never seen before. Animal extinction rates are, they've actually called this era the Anthropocene extinction because we're doing it.
0: My dad told me once, you're going to see the the animals that will thrive, and I, I see a ton of them in my yard right now, is hawks predatory animals that are here to eat like carrion and that sort of thing funny that you mentioned that because alex asked me
1: because i'm the one who went to school for wildlife murdering um it's like why are there so many hawks around there and i'm like because there's a ton of rats and rats In the cornfields, yes. they're around when they have rogue kill and they have a bunch of dead shit and, and rodents and vermin to eat. You know, they're they're thriving, they're living well, their lives. Uh,
0: it's it's sad. It is a sad time. And when
1: we lose those plants, we lose the potential to cure diseases. Um, a lot of plants haven't been studied enough, but a lot of our medicine has come from synthesizing. The properties of plants. I mean, aspirin, salicylic acid was originally from white willow bark.
0: Well, valerian, I mean, that was the original, uh, what is that called? Valium? Yeah. Um, The names are very similar, uh, but it's the same thing. And I love plant medicine. I am a huge believer in plant medicine. I love Ayurvedic medicine, the ancient Indian tradition of ayurveda like so many things can be resolved uh, by balancing your doshas and understanding plants in your body and your chemistry and it's something that uh, it's becoming more mainstream. And so maybe those plants will survive and thrive because people are going to be relying on them. But there's so many people who are still just pharmakia, you know, go to the pharmacy, take 16 medications. They all have side effects and live this.
1: You're, you're taking medicines for the side effects. You're trying to balance everything. And, and really, if there was a way to do it with less medicines, I mean, there are certainly times when you need a pharmaceutical grade medicine. There are definitely of course that rely on it. But for a lot of things that are sort of if you catch them when they're minor, before they become such a problem that you need a high dose well, prescription.
0: Of course. I think it's great that we live in a time where we can prolong our lives and we can help ourselves. But a lot of our issues, especially in the United States, are lifestyle. Number one killer is heart disease, diabetes. A lot of these things can be avoided through lifestyle changes. And that goes back to the food because people are not aware that the food that they're putting into their body is mostly not food and they're living in food deserts. And they're unable to properly take care of themselves because of lack of education and lack of resources. And
1: I also think to a certain degree, and this is from my own personal experience, I think when you live in a food desert, you don't really get to experience different types of food in a way that make them palatable to you. So a lot of people are like, I hate vegetables. I'm like, you've just never had a vegetable cooked right to live in an area with really good food with really good chefs with good restaurants you'd be able to try different things in ways that you would never have thought of on your own and discover oh I do like that I've
0: always loved vegetables it's funny because someone said that's a salad and I actually put every kind of vegetable I could find except lettuce and they're like is that your salad I'm like hell yeah it is Everything's in there, but salad, like, <laughs> but the lettuce, but it's, I think you could taste the life in, in a vegetable. Honestly, I, um,
1: have not been a salad eater for the most part because I have had like shitty iceberg lettuce salads for most of my existence And, uh, this past year I was eating salads from a friend's garden in Oregon and it changed the way I thought about salads and I eat salads every week now. I'm like, a. in addition to my smoothies, I make that I put a ton of dark greens in like kale and chard and I get my greens that way. I've also been eating a ton of salads. I feel pretty healthy. I don't know. So.
0: The other thing that I wanted to mention, and this could be a segue into another episode, shout out to Carlos, because he gave me the idea for this. Yay! Thanks, Carlos! We love having our regulars, our listeners, um, is that uh, a lot of our food came from women and it was a form of empowerment. And a lot of witches were burned at the stake for no- understanding plants, herbalism, and healing. And so it's it's the idea of taking the power away from women who were bearers of the earth and nurturers of the planet um, and, and taking them away from that knowledge. So he had sent me some information on the witch. And I would love to dig into that in our next episode. Absolutely. Let's talk witchy shit in the next podcast. Yeah. I'd love to do that. Yeah. A lot but,
1: of people don't realize that one of the reasons that women were burned at the stake was, um, they knew plant medicine. They were midwife and they knew things about the body that were basically forbidden knowledge because they weren't allowed to be doctors. That was a man's job. So it wasn't like they were doing weird, spooky shit. It was like they just knew how certain things worked, and they weren't supposed to know things.
0: Or they were sexual, and they uh, women's sexuality has forever been like demonized. Oh, and absolutely. We could do an entire podcast on women. Oh, sexuality. we're going to. I Think we, we are. are. We're digging into some witchy sexual shit next time. Oh, yeah. I'm excited. (laughs) I am too. I was like, we might have to go ahead. I also wanted to say thank you to our uh, other uh, super fantastic uh, regular listener uh, who owns uh, Cloverlick Banjos. He did our intro and outro. Which I uh, love. We all love it. We've fallen in love with it. I just listen to it over and over again, and I feel so blessed to be able to know such a light and wonderful soul. He is amazing, and I love him so much. And we'd love to uh, hear from. All of our listeners, definitely let us know what you want to hear. You want to come on and talk with us? We would would love love to have have you. Come
1: on and talk to us. We have the ability, I think, to host how many? It's one host and three guests. So we can have two more people on here, a total of four. Nice. So we can have two people come on. Or one person come on, if anyone wants to hang out with us and talk about some weird shit, we are more than happy to accommodate you. It would be so much fun.
0: I think we might get a witch to come on for our witchy episode next. I know some witches and I think it would be fantastic. I'm really diving in personally into that world a little more because it was so taboo. Um, but something I've always been fascinated with. and uh, it's in my DNA. And I think it's in everybody's DNA to just want to understand the supernatural and something greater than ourselves. And that's really just understanding like how plants grow is pretty magical. It's, I think it's it is. And
1: I think that people have this limited idea of what magic is. They think it's it's potions and it's spells. And it is those things, but it's so much more than that. You can find magic in your everyday life. Thanks so much for listening. We can't wait to talk to you soon.